I will. All right then. We're going to pray for Pastor Joe as he ministers the word of the Lord. Why don't you stretch out your hands towards him? I want to do this as well. As you're stretching out your hands, I want you to state and pray that the Lord will speak to you directly through the word that is coming. Amen. So just stretch out your hand and ask the Lord to speak to you directly through the word that is about to come. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Father, we stand and we say, Father, speak to us through your word. Strengthen us. Open our eyes and give us insight. Refresh and renew. Lord, we pray that as the word comes with power and authority, that the word will give life and breathe life in the name of Jesus. Father, strengthen your servant as he delivers the word that you have given him. May his self diminish and you grow in the name of Jesus. And may this word be life in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It's just about. It's great to be here. It's good to see John and Anastasia. John, wave. I'm not sure where Anastasia is. She's in there. Yes, yeah, so it's good to see. Come on, let's give them a hand. It's good to see them. And also, they, they're in Belgium, but uh, he's here for service, so it's good. Came all the way just for service. Also, it's good to see Otis and Donna and the family. It's good to see you. God bless you. Boy, your clap is really encouraging. Goodness me. <laughs> All the way from Milton Keynes, they've come just for service. It's great. And uh, also we have uh, the new Mr. and Mrs. Uh, up here, um, um, Rafa, Rafa, Rafa. So, so how do you say it again? Sofoloku. Come on, stand, 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 stand. Come on, stand. Yay! Can you see the glory? Can you can you can you feel the anointing? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's great. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be a good boy today. I'm gonna to be I'm gonna behave myself. Alright, so we're gonna continue our teaching on destiny, which I am entitling our destiny series today. I'm going to start teaching on the life of Joseph. The life of Joseph. Uh, turn with me to Psalm 105. So this is part three of our teaching on destiny. And just before I begin to teach, I uh, just w- want to say something. Um, as of this Sunday, every week we will be taking communion. We'll have different ways in which we express it. And uh, because it's something that we feel very strongly that is a vital part of our expression as a corporate body when we come together. So every Sunday... We will have the communion elements out like you see it here. Sometimes we'll be at the back. Sometimes we'll be at the front. Sometimes we'll serve it like we do once a month as part of our worship and part of our service to God. All right? Okay, so we're looking at the life of Joseph, part three of our destiny series. Psalm 105 verses 17 to 19. Psalm 105 verses 17 to 19. He says, then he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. 
Also Romans chapter 8 verses 28 to 30. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover whom he predestined these he also called whom he called, these he also justified, whom he justified, these he also glorified. So we've been talking about being a man or a woman of destiny, and specifically we said destiny speaks of our destination, or the place or the appointed time or the appointed place that God has ordained for us. It's also good to see Sister Lydia. Oh, God bless you, the Nigerian lady. She's come back from Nigeria. One of our leaders. Come and give her a hand, give her a hand, give her a hand. I didn't, I didn't see you. Wonderful, wonderful. God bless you. All right. Is this your first Sunday? Uh-huh. Just, just, it's good to see you. God bless you. Okay. Anyway, let's carry on teaching. So, destiny speaks of the place or the destination that God has ordained for us. And uh, we read in Romans 8.28, I just want to recap quickly what we've already taught, that God, all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. And that ultimately God's purpose for us is that in whatever calling, whatever assignment that is upon our lives, we are like our Lord Jesus. We are conformed into the image of of his son, our Lord Jesus. We've also said that part of being a man or woman of destiny is that we must make ourselves available to God because he is looking for someone to show himself strong through. In Second Chronicles 16:9, the scripture says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. So God is looking for individuals who have a loyal heart towards him, who he can display his glory through. And I pray it will be you in Jesus' name. Then we also said that God begins us on a journey to our destiny by revealing himself to us through his word. So when God wants you and I or anyone to enter into his purpose, he does so by revealing himself to them. But he reveals himself through his word. An example of this is in the life of Samuel. Samuel as a young boy at the age of 12, most commentators say at the age of 12, God began to speak to him very clearly. In 1 Samuel 3 verse 7, the scripture says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. But if you look at the narrative earlier, God was calling his name, and he could not recognize that that was God calling him. And beloved, one of the things that we need to recognize is that often God is speaking to us very clearly and very directly about situations that has to do with his purpose, but we don't recognize it as the voice of God. Actually, for Samuel, he thought it was Eli. He thought it was the man of God that was calling him. And how often we misinterpret 
what God is saying through the man or the woman of God and think it's just them when actually it is God who is speaking through them. And then in verse 21, he says, Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. Beloved, I want to encourage you to be a man or a woman of the word. Where you exalt the word of God and the revealed word of God above every other revelation or thinking that you have. So the minute you see in the word what you think or what you believe is in violation or contradiction to the word, you yield to the word. Otherwise, you will be subject to deception. You will be subject to the manipulation of the enemy. As a a child of God, many times I have thought God has said something. But then, and beloved, we hear from God. But then I have seen clearly in the word something that clearly contradicts what I believe God is saying. Now, since our Lord Jesus is his final word to humanity... When God is dealing with you and I about our destiny, he begins it by revealing Jesus to us. First, by being born again. Then, as an ongoing revelation of our Lord Jesus. Beloved, the revelation you had of Jesus when you got born again should have developed over time. You should have grown in the true knowledge of God as revealed to us Through his son. And the way we will be able to tell whether you are growing in revelation of Jesus is not by your knowledge, but by your character. It is our character that reveals the level of glory that has been imprinted and been revealed through us. The apostles brought us the gospel in order for us to begin a journey of revelation with father and son. You know, your prayer time will only be an encounter with God if you are relating to God the way he wants you to relate to him at that given point in time. Otherwise, it becomes a ritual which he is not interested in. And often, and I'll share this with somebody this week, often when people... Uh, begin their walk with God, the Lord will allow them a very simplistic approach where they'll have their prayer time, they'll read their Bible, they'll read their uh, uh, daily bread, you know, the daily bread, I'm not knocking it, you know, it, it's very, it's helped many, how many of you have read daily bread before? If you were born again around the 80s and early 90s, then that is some of you. All right. And then I think these days there's a rhapsody of something, I don't know. Rhapsody of what? Realities. Ooh, it's awesome. Rhapsody. I don't, what's that even? What does that mean? Rhapsody. Raps. And it's good. It's okay when you're starting out. But you will discover, and you know, you may have your prayer, your prayer points, you know, that you read. But you will discover, as time goes on, they don't have the same bite like they used to. And so you will try. And some of us, maybe it's like we like praying in tongues. I mean, I'm a tongue freak. I just love praying in tongues. 
So, you know, maybe when we started praying in tongues, it had a certain life to it. You know, when you prayed in tongues, you felt. But as time goes by, you will discover that when you try to approach God the way you have always approached him, there's no life there. That is because God is not a machine. And he does not want you to deal with him like he is some kind of machine. He's an infinitely intelligent being who desires true intimacy with his beloved child, and that is you. And therefore, he will not allow you to fit him in a box. The apostles brought us the gospel in order for us to begin this journey of knowing Father and his Son, our Lord Jesus. 1 John 1 verse 3, he says this, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship, our partnership, our communion, our intimacy, our exchange is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. So I want to say to you on the onset that God begins a journey of destiny by revealing his son to you. First, by being born again, and then as an ongoing revelation. And any destiny that you and I have can only be fulfilled when we are growing in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Now, don't confuse accomplishments that you will have in life with the destiny of God upon your life. I was saying to, I was saying to um, the ministerial, those on the, ministry, the students on the ministerial training course, we're talking about loyalty and disloyalty. And I was saying to them, you know, for me, as a pastor, one of the things that I feel is very important for me before the Lord is that if, say, people are loyal to me or disloyal to me, it's not because of a question of my morality or my doctrine or my integrity or something to do with some practices. Because there are many things that as a leader you will not have. So what I'm trying to say is that for you as a child of God, if people reject you or if people misunderstand you or if you are not doing well in life, it must not be because of your character. It must not be because of your integrity. It must not be because of your morality. It must not be because of your doctrine. It might be because of your ability. But that's okay. As long as it is not because of those other things, when you stand before the Lord, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Can you say amen? So, our destiny in God can never be outside of Christ. All right. Now, like we said, he reveals to us our himself, or he takes us on that journey by revealing himself to us through his word. But like Joseph, often he will reveal himself to us through his word in a manner that we won't even recognize as the word. So, we look at Joseph. He says, he sent a man before them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. He said they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons, very important principle, we'll come to it later, until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tried him. So how did God reveal himself to Joseph through the word? Was by the dream he had as a 17-year-old boy. 
So I want us to look at Genesis 37, and we're going to stay here from verses 2 to 8. Now, with Joseph, what you have to understand is when we look at these destiny lessons from the life of Joseph, there are six key areas that are highlighted. And I'll just touch on them briefly. And then we'll examine the first area. And that is, first of all, his foundation. The foundation that Joseph was established in Joseph's life in order for him to fulfill his destiny. Then, his experience in, through the pit of slavery. Then, his life in Potiphar's house. Then, his imprisonment. Then, the palace. And finally, his destiny. These were six crucial stages in the life of Joseph. And these same stages are what every child of God goes through if they are to qualify and fulfill the purposes of God for their life. Genesis 37, verses 2 to 8. We're looking at the first stage, and that is the foundational stage. This is the history of Jacob. Interesting. We're looking at Joseph, but he starts with Jacob. We'll touch on that. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them, to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his father saw that their father loved him more than all, all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright and indeed your sheaves Stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. You need a slap. <laughs> Imagine. Worry, you don't like it, and then you have this kind of a dream, and, and then you're telling us. Be careful who you share your dreams with. <laughs> Not everybody is interested in your nice dream, you know. <laughs> you know, you're going to share your dream with some people. Ah, really? Okay, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Where are we? Verse what? Where are we? Verse 8. Are you still here? And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more. Even more. Already they hated him. Now they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. We'll stop there. Because I want us to look at this foundational stage. So, This foundational stage was the process of Joseph going from a beloved son to a wounded brother. The first stage. Going from a beloved son to a wounded brother. Where God had called him. God had determined a destiny on his life. And then 
he had to go through a certain process. Now, you need to understand the role that wounds are supposed to play in your life. Another word for wounds is offense. When you are hurt by somebody, when you are wounded by somebody, Zechariah 13, 6, he says, and one will say to him, this is a messianic scripture, what are these wounds between your arms? Then he will answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Your friends will wound you. Your family will wound you. In the house of my friends, I was wounded. You see, at times, when you go to church, the house of God, you will have in your mind, because it is the house of God, and the people of God are in the house of God, they are all righteous people of God, just like you. And the answer is, it's true. They are just like you. Therefore, as you wound, they will also wound. As you wound them, without even realizing it, they will also wound you without you realizing it. And we must learn to understand why God allows us to become wounded by those we love. It's easy to deal with the wounds of our enemies, because they're your enemy. But those wounds that come from those we love are very painful. Those very wounds, however, become the stripes by which we fulfill our destiny. So you look at our Lord Jesus as the example. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Joseph was wounded by his brothers. They, they wounded him. They shot at him, Jacob said in his prophecy of his life. They wounded him. He was separated from his brothers because of his brothers. But it was a vital ingredient in order for him to fulfill destiny. So just as by the stripes of our Lord we are healed, so also by the stripes inflicted on us by others because of our destiny in Christ, many are healed. This pattern, if you look at your life and if you live long enough to see how it unfolds, you will really recognize it is such a principle. I am grateful to God that I can see this pattern in my life over the years. And uh, through it, I can help so many people. Because the more you have been wounded and healed, the easier it is for you to reach those who are being wounded. Anybody who has a very happy marriage has experienced wounds. From their partner, their spouse. (laughs) And the greater the toy and the pleasure that you experience in that marriage, the deeper the wounds have got and you've been healed. There's no one who can wound you more than the one you are married to. 
No one. Just a simple, what's that? Can destroy, can disarm you. Just, just what's that? Yeah. A simple, what, what do you mean by that? That's enough. Grrm, you're down. Nobody can do you like them. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. She's not here, so we can say it freely. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, at times, people will say something like, oh, but as for you, your wife is different. And she is different, because she's not your wife. <laughs> but there is a reason why she is different. There are wounds she's had to endure from this one. Even sometimes when we are sleeping, we are causing wounds without knowing it. (laughs) Wounds. All kinds. All kinds. Yeah. So, beware of offense. Because it will stifle your growth and hamper your destiny. It doesn't matter where it comes from. When you are wounded, you need to know how to deal with it quickly. Otherwise, it will short-circuit your progress in your destiny. And Joseph, he had to go from being a beloved son to being a wounded brother in order for him to begin the journey of fulfilling his destiny. The wounds we experience in our formative years are used by God to shape our future. And we must understand our past and our pain so that we can recognize the hand of God even when we are facing adverse situations. So look at Joseph. Genesis 45, verses 7 and 8. This is what he said to his brothers. God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth. God sent me to preserve your family. Where was, did you hear any prophecy taking place? When you read the rest of Joseph's life, how they put him in a pit, how they stripped him and put him in a pit, there was no prophetic utterance being uttered at that point. They sold him for money. Sold him for money. Some of us would just sell each other for food. He says, to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. It was not you who sent me, but God. Look at verse, chapter 50, verse 20. This is after Jacob had died and now they thought, uh-oh, we're dead. Dad is dead And we're going to join him soon. Because Joe is now going to get his revenge. So they came and said, remember remember what your dad said? Remember dad said that you shouldn't do anything because, you know, we're really sorry for what we did. We feel really bad. I wonder if they really were sorry. So look at what Joseph says in verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me. He wasn't, he didn't make, you know, sometimes we lie. Oh, you know, it's, you know, you didn't, you weren't really, you didn't really mean it. No, it's, you, you meant evil. You wanted to destroy me. You meant evil. 
but God meant it for good. So there are things that happen to you that were ordained for your ruin by the enemy. But God, because all things work together for good, meant it for your good. Say to your neighbor, God means it for your good. Says in verse 20, the second part, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Everyone who seeks to fulfill destiny must understand their foundations. And often we forget our foundations. We forget the formative years. As a pastor over so many years, I see it over and over. How people forget the formative years. How they got born again. How they got delivered. How they got nurtured. How they got corrected. How they got discipled. How they got disciplined. How they got wounded. They forget. Say to your neighbor, you will not forget. And because of that, they do not read the plan of God and the purpose of God. So sometimes there can be a wound in someone that is controlling them 25 years. And they remember every detail of what happened. I was sitting over there. And then you came. And then you greeted that one. She's left our church 14 years ago, but you greeted her. And then there was another one you said hi to. And then there's somebody else came and then you slapped them and they slapped you and you spoke in your vernacular language. Not even your language. Vernacular. Vernacular. And then me, I just sat there and it's as if you just couldn't care. In fact, you didn't care. You didn't care. And for all that time, you haven't cared. Yes. That can happen. You must understand your foundations. Psalm 11.3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So often, when the enemy wants to thwart your destiny, he will seek to undermine your foundation. Now, the true foundation is Christ. The true foundation is Christ. So anything that does not point to Christ is not part of our Foundation. Now let's look at some of the lessons about Joseph's life that teach us some foundational truths about our formative stages. Number one, he was a son in his father's house. Verse two, he says, this is the history of Jacob. Everyone's destiny begins with their father. Yeah, this is a concept that most Christians in the West have no clue about. But the father and son relationship. Every destiny that we have begins with our Father. Ultimately, God is our Father. Can you say amen? Amen. And then we have natural fathers. And then we have spiritual fathers. And depending on what God is highlighting or addressing when it comes to our destiny, one of those three are directly impacted. God as our Father our natural father, and our spiritual father. And this is why the enemy has sought to destroy fatherhood. Motherhood is celebrated, and it should be. It should be. But fatherhood is often neglected. But without fathering, they cannot be the true fulfillment of destiny. 
Why? Because you will always carry your father's name. Everybody carries a name. And ultimately, that name ultimately will go to a father somewhere. Yeah. But what does that mean? You will always carry your father's name. It means you carry your father's nature, your DNA, his DNA. So if God has given you a natural father, or God has given you a spiritual father, then you need to make sure, if everybody has one of those. Are you there? You're looking at me like I'm saying something strange. You, you didn't just turn up here. Somehow, you were birthed. So you are the natural father. Even if you were test tube, there's still father somewhere. And spiritually, everybody has a spiritual father. Now, here's the interesting thing. Just because I'm the pastor of the church doesn't mean everyone here is my, my child. It's not true. Amen. Shall we continue? Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock, etc. Now, this thing about this verse highlights the need for a spiritual family and a spiritual father. So, God's heart is that all of us are in a family. All of us. Psalm 68, verse 6. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. God sets the lonely in families. So where you find yourself alone, spiritually, you can't seem to identify with a fellowship, it means you need a family. You can be going to church and not be part of that church. Yeah. He says, he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. The two are linked. The two are linked. How you are established in God's family will affect your prosperity. I'm not talking just natural prosperity. Prosperity in all its applications. But the rebellious, now that word rebellious is interesting. It speaks of those who resist the truth and resist the word and resist authority. They dwell in a dry land. One of the things I've discovered about my own life is whenever I experience, I'm experiencing barrenness of some kind for a season, I'm talking about spiritually dry, I have to check, is there some rebellion going on in my heart? Am I resisting something that God is saying to me? You see, because it is those who are planted in the house of the Lord who flourish in his courts. Anyone that wants to fulfill their destiny in God must be planted in the house of the Lord. And by the way, you cannot in your own thinking uproot yourself from where you have planted. It takes the Holy Ghost. And I'm saying that on purpose because of what we're going to do afterwards. Because at times God will take someone from one place to plant them somewhere else. But you cannot be the initiator of it. It has to be God who is doing it. Amen. Because otherwise, what will happen is, eventually, you will wither and die. You will wither and die. And I see this happen 
over and over and over. So, Psalm 92, verses 12 to 15. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. To flourish in the courts of your God means this. You do well in the presence of God. You have the signature of God upon your life. The approval of God upon your life. You are very comfortable with God and in his presence. That is what it means to flourish in his courts. In the things of God, you excel. That's what it means to flourish in his courts. And by the way, it doesn't matter the church. It's not the church per se that determines how well you do. No. You can be in the best church and do terrible. In fact, let me put it like this. You can have the best church and the best pastor and still sell him for 30 pieces of silver. So it's not that, it's where God plants you. That's the thing. It's not, it's, 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 the, it's whether God has planted you, I should say. Not so much where God, it's whether God has planted you. It's so important. We're talking about destiny. This is, this is just first point one of the foundations. How many of you want to flourish in the courts of your God? We all want to flourish in the courts of our God. We're talking about Fulfilling God's destiny upon our life. I don't know about you, but the Lord is coming. Whether in my lifetime or when I'm gone, he's coming. I'm going to face him. So we need to be ready when we stand before him to give an account we're not going to be embarrassed about. There are many things we are embarrassed about. But I said to him, I say to him often, from today, I don't want to be embarrassed anymore. Verse 14. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Let me tell you one of the things I have seen over the years. I have seen people grow, become strong, become vibrant, be flourishing, be given for fruit. But then, as time goes by, they get less and less fruitful until no longer there is no fruit. Until their past is better than their present. In the things of God. I pray that will not be your portion in Jesus' name. No, as you get older, not only should you be more fruitful, your, the quality of your fruit should be better. The formative years is, will determine how you bear fruit in old age. I pray you go strong and stronger as you get older and older. It says, they shall be fresh and flourishing. Not stale and flourishing. I pray that in 25 years time, when I'm preaching with all my teeth that are already there remaining, in Jesus' name, I will be fresh and flourishing. My books will be better than they are now. The anointing will be far stronger than it is now. 25 years ago, I started my first church plant. We called it Charlton Christian Fellowship. Hallelujah, we're going to take the world for Jesus. When I'll come and preach, you know you have to put the, 
the earmuff on. It was shouting time. Yeah. 25 years ago. Some things have remained and some things have changed. I pray, I hope I'm getting fresher and no more stale. Oh, here he goes. So, first thing. How much time do I have? We're going we're gonna, to um, take a minute soon. Second thing is this. In the next two minutes. In his formative years, he was loved by his father. He was loved by his father. This highlights for us the need to embrace the love of God at a very early stage in our formative years. To embrace that we are his beloved sons. And by the way, that includes the women. Women are sons of God in God's kingdom. And men are the bride of Christ. Right? This is so crucial. Because the foundation of love in your heart will govern everything else that you do. And how you interpret God and how you relate to people and how you forgive yourself when you sin and how you move on and so forth. Being loved by God is the foundation upon which we discover, pursue and fulfill our destiny in him. That means we recognize that God really likes us in our weakness. God doesn't just like us when we're doing good. He likes us. I, I, I use the word like. I didn't say love. That's a given. He likes us. And he delights in us when we are not doing well. You say, how is that possible? If you've been a parent, you know it's possible. That your child is not doing well, but you still like them. That your child needs a little discipline. We use the word discipline. But you still... Like them. And sometimes when you are having to deal with them, you have to hold back your bowels of compassion to just tell them, ah, it doesn't matter. Because of how you feel. Isn't that so? How much more your father in heaven? Yeah. How much more him? Tell you, parenting is such a good lesson. Because before I had children, I hadn't got a clue. I said, yeah, if they're naughty, tell them to deal with them. Deal with them. And then I had children. We made mistakes with the first one, loads. But he was a good, he was a good, anyone a firstborn here? Anyone a firstborn? You know you were experimented on by your parents. <laughs> then when you see it happening to the others, you think, ah, but this is not what we were getting. And we hear that from the firstborns in CLF as well. They like to say, in our day, tell them it's not your day anymore, it's our day. In our day, Pastor Joe was like this. No, 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 no. That was back then. (laughs) All right. So, our relationship with God as our Father will also have a bearing with our natural and spiritual parents. In fact, you will often interpret God through how your authorities, especially your parents, handled you, especially your father handled you. But also, as you grow in embracing the love of God, it affects how you relate to your spiritual parents. I'll conclude with this verse, and then we'll pick it up next week. Proverbs 30, verse 17. 
so important how you relate to your spiritual parents and your natural parents. Not one or the other, both. I shared with somebody, before I entered into the ministry, my parents were not born again. God called me. I knew I was called. One of the first things I did, in fact, the first thing I did before I went, I found my, I went to my mom's house who was not born again at that time and my stepfather who were not born again. And I said, now I'm going to be doing this. And I said, oh, what are you going to be doing? And they gave me all this. And I said, and I need you to pray for me and bless me. And so my mom gave it to me. Hey, you are always doing this and you're going to give you about your job. And hey, are you not sure what you're doing? Is right. I said, mom, I hear you. Now, can you pray over me and bless me? And, and dad, can you pray over me and bless me? But you know, yes, 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 yes. But now, okay, can you pray over me and bless me? And they gave me a few lectures more. And then I was like, yeah, now can you pray over me and bless me? They said, okay. And then they prayed over me and blessed me. Then I found my dad. I said, he wasn't born again. I said, dad, I'm going to be ending my job and I need you to pray over me. And he said this. He said in his head, this is an insanity. In fact, he said more or less the same to me. But he said to me later on, when I first told him, he thought I'd lost my mind. So he said, are you sure? You're going to give up your pension, you know. Ghanaian parent, going to give up your pension. You're going to do this. Are you sure? I said, yeah. I said, he said, oh, hmm. I said, dad, I need you to bless me. He talked, 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 talked. I said, I need you to bless. He said, okay. And he blessed me. That is how I started my ministry. So when I was blessed by my parents, it didn't even matter if somebody cursed me later on. Because I understood that principle. Now look at this scripture. And we'll end with this. Proverbs 30 verse 17. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother. The ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. The eye that mocks his father. What does that mean? When you look down on your father, natural or spiritual, is what he's talking about. And scorns obedience to his mother. In other words, you don't listen to what the church teaches, as well as your parents. The ravens of the valley will pick it up. The eye speaks of your vision. The ravens of the valley speaks of the enemy. He will take your vision, and the young eagles will eat it. It speaks of the generation coming. They'll take what was your vision. In other words, your destiny will be forfeit. How you handle God as your father and how you handle your spiritual family and how you handle your natural parents and how you handle your spiritual parents has a bearing to how you fulfill your destiny. Joseph's formative years was that he began with his father and he was loved by his father. And I pray your formative years will also be because you have a father who loves you and you embrace his love for you and you know how to relate to him and those he places in your life. Amen. We are going to pray. As we prepare our hearts to take communion, if the worship team can come, The ashes will help us. So basically what will happen is, once I give the go-ahead,